Good day. This is Dr. Jana Price Sharps with Mind Pilot. Today we're going to talk about a tough subject, but an important one. And it is grief. Now, most people, when they think of grief, they think about death. They think about somebody dying. And certainly that is when people grieve. But there's all kinds of different griefs. And that sounds a little weird, but bear with me. So let's say you are working at a place and maybe you've worked there 10 years and you get a different job. And you're thinking, okay, I'm going to be happy. This is going to be wonderful. And then you get into this new job and you miss everybody you used to work with. And you miss your friends. And maybe you even miss your boss or maybe not. Maybe you miss the location. Maybe now you're commuting longer. Maybe there's just changes that maybe you weren't expecting or maybe you didn't expect them to hit you as hard. And now you're going, huh huh, I I don't like this. Well, that is a form of grief. When there's been a change, and the brain is not happy about it, for whatever reason. So I want you to think about what has changed in your life over the last 10 years? And how did you deal with that? Another form of grief is maybe you have kids that are moving out of the house. They're getting to be a little bit older. They're starting their own lives. Empty nest kind of syndrome. There's a grief with that. Maybe you're getting a divorce. Maybe or maybe not. There might be grief with that. Maybe you're retiring. There's a lot of grief with retiring for many people. Some people, they're like, yes, and they're out the door and they never look back. But I have found more often than not, and especially with first responders, there is a very strong grief process that goes with retiring because you've done the job for a very long time. And so when people talk to each other, oh, well, what do you do? And suddenly maybe you were a fireman or you were a police officer or you were in the military and now you're not. And there's a weird feeling with that of who am I now? This is what I used to be. Now, not not everybody feels that way, but a lot of people do. And so you may go through a grief response. Uh, Another one I teach in graduate programs. And when I taught face-to-face, I had, you know, graduate students that were together for four or five years, and then they would get jobs and move away. Well, when you spend four or five years with somebody and you study with them, you work with them, you do all kinds of things with them, and now they're out of your lives, and that can feel very discombobulating, and there's a lot of grief that comes with that, but there's an expectation, I should be happy, I went to, I did all this schooling, and I'm now in the job that I've always wanted, but I miss my friends, I miss those people, so... Grief can come in many different forms. So if you're going through a life change, you might ask yourself, how am I really feeling about this? Don't berate yourself. That's what a lot of people do. I shouldn't be feeling this way. I should. This should be the happiest time of my life. I got the job I always wanted. 
Yes, and and that might be a wonderful job, and you end up really enjoying it. But it doesn't mean that you aren't grieving the loss of maybe contact with friends or grieving the place you grew up. Maybe you had to move away or grieving the job that you were doing, and now you're doing a different job. So be aware of that. Obviously, the other kind of grieving is when there's been a physical loss of somebody. Now, for first responders, there's often a lot of grief when you're out in the community or even overseas when you lose somebody uh, that can cause a very strong grief response, especially if it's somebody that you've worked with for a very long time, or even if... Maybe you're uh, a police officer, a deputy, or a fire uh, fire personnel, and you respond to a call and there's, there's a traumatic death. There is a grief response that often comes with that, and that's okay. Um, but separate out the responsibility and the grief response. And here's what I mean by that. Go to every call or do everything to the best of your ability. When you leave that call, go, okay, that call is now over or that event is now over and it is now behind me. I did everything that I could do, but you can do everything perfectly and things still go wrong. Maybe you didn't do everything perfectly, but you tried your best. And so if you feel like, okay, I wish I would have done that or that. Do not do the woulda, shoulda, couldas, because those always are toxic for your brain, because then your brain really thinks that you can go back and fix it. So don't do that. But you can say, God forbid, if this ever happens again, this is what I'm going to do differently. Project it forward, never project it into the past. But you can always, as you're leaving, that environment, that scene, that altercation, whatever it is, go, you know what, I did the best that I could with the tools that I had on hand at the time. And I am now leaving that scene. And I am now moving forward. And the past is now behind me. That keeps your brain from becoming very connected with those different scenes. If you happen to have a religious belief system and you believe that something happens after people die, you might project that person forward if they died and see them in a better place or see them happy and whole again. You might see them at peace or just in oblivion and they're okay. Um, you know, maybe their spirit goes on forever and it's at peace now. Whatever it is you believe, if you believe that something happens after death. If you don't believe anything happens after death, then maybe you can just go, you know what, that person is at peace, their their soul or whatever is gone, but they're no longer in terrible pain or they're they're okay. You know, what what they are or where they're at doesn't really matter. They're just gone. So you need to come to terms with how you view loss. And don't avoid it. Figure it out. Make a plan for it. And then go through the process. 
There is a person by the name of Dr. Kubler-Ross, and she came up with some stages of grief. And I'm going to give you those stages. Many people are familiar with these stages, but not everybody goes through the same stages when they're grieving. So I, although I'm going to give these to you, I also want you to realize they're not set in stone. So she said that a lot of people at the beginning, especially if it's a loved one, there's kind of a sense of denial that, you know, this isn't really happening. I'm going to wake up. This is a bad dream. Uh, Somehow this person is going to be okay. I imagined it or whatever. And that is a feeling that it depends on the person. It could last quite a while, or it might last a few days, or it might last a year. Um, It was interesting. Years ago, I lost my dad. And about three years into that process, I uh, had a dream that my dad showed up at my house, and he rang the doorbell. And I opened the door, and I, I said, Dad, what are you doing here? I thought you were dead. And when I woke up, I thought, huh, my brain must be moving out of denial into a different stage of the grief process. It's now accepting that this really is real, that I really have lost my dad. You know, so the brain takes a while to catch up. There's different parts of the brain, and part of the brain that is grieving moves very slowly. So Typically, people aren't going to just wake up when a loved one dies and go, oh, okay, I understand what happened and that person's gone and now we're moving on. That doesn't happen to most people. So most of the time they go into kind of a denial state because that that part of the brain is lagging a little bit. Then often, and this doesn't happen with everybody, but often the next stage is grief, or grief, sorry, the next stage is anger. And it could be anger at the person leaving you. It could be anger at a deity, you're mad at God or whoever, uh, because this shouldn't have happened. Maybe you're mad at... I don't know if it was a terrible collision, you're mad at the person that, you know, hit your loved one, maybe your loved one was, you know, under the influence or something like that. So now you're mad at them. But very often there is an anger response. Now, that isn't always the case. Some people have this and some people don't. That's okay, though. A lot of times people say, well, I shouldn't feel that way. You know, feelings are just feelings. It's what you do with the feelings that are important. Never try and shut down a feeling that you're having. Just figure out how to frame it. Figure out what to do with that feeling. But don't try and shut it down because it's going to keep popping back up. The brain is giving you that feeling for a reason. So if you're angry, okay, be angry. Sometimes it's helpful that you write a letter. Don't send it. I want to make that very clear do not send that letter, but you might want to write a letter to the person you're angry at uh, and just kind of tell them how you feel. It can be helpful if you burn that letter uh, and just watch the smoke from that letter go up. Make sure you burn it in a way that's safe. I can hear all my my folks going, don't tell them to burn anything. No, don't. 
don't just put it in the backyard and, and torture house, okay? Put it in like an aluminum can where nothing's around and you can just burn it uh, or in the fireplace, whatever. But just watch that smoke dissipate and go, okay, I'm, I'm letting go of this, you know, but it is helpful sometimes to get the anger out and to be able to talk about it. And, and maybe you talk about it with friends. Maybe you talk about it in a grief group. Maybe you talk about it with a therapist or a religious figure that you have in your life, a priest or a pastor. But get the anger out. It's okay. It's a very normal part of this process. Uh, the next stage tends to be sadness. Um just an overwhelming sense of loss. And then the last stage is acceptance, where the mind kind of wraps around what has happened and goes, okay, all right, I get this. Um, but one of the things that I found, and I've, I've treated a lot of people with grief over my career, and it grief feels like a roller coaster. And, and so people... It, it's very, they want to shut it down because it feels all over the place. You know, one minute they're angry, one minute they're sad, one minute they feel fine, one minute they're remembering something funny their loved one did. And so they may be all over the place and that's okay. It feels very uncomfortable for people because it feels like the brain is just going everywhere. That's okay. That is a normal part of grief. So let your brain do what it needs to do. Our brain is actually meant for grief because, you know, since there has been humankind, there's been grief. So, you know, our brain is calibrated for grief. It knows what to do, but there's different parts of your brain. And a lot of times what people do is they use that prefrontal cortex to shut everything down. And then grief keeps popping up over and over. And 20 years later, they're still dealing with their grief. If you will let your brain do what it needs to do, you will get through the grief. No matter how bad the grief is, you will get through it. You're not always going to feel like you do today. If you feel like your heart is just breaking today, it's not always going to feel that way. You know, a year from now, five years from now, whatever, you're not going to have that intense feeling. Now, people always say time heals everything. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that saying, and here's why. If you don't let yourself grieve, then time is not going to heal anything because three years from now, you're going to still be exactly where you're at today. If you allow your brain to grieve, if you allow it to happen naturally, cry when you have to cry. If you're a person who doesn't want to cry in in front of everybody, that's fine. Go to the bathroom and cry. You know, go in your car and cry. Do whatever you need to do. Crying when you're sad is a wonderful thing because you release a bunch of serotonin. And when you release serotonin, now you feel better. So the brain does that for a very specific reason. Let your brain do what it needs to do. Now, I've had a lot of grief over my lifetime. And so one of the things that I have done, and it may work for some of you and it may not work for others, but... I, after probably the first three weeks, maybe month, I will get a box that has a latch and I will put the person or people that I'm grieving and I will put their names on sticky notes and I'll put them in that box 
And in the morning, I'll give myself a prescribed amount of time. So I might do 15 minutes. And I set my timer. And I know that sounds a little odd, but bear with me. And maybe I set it for 15 minutes. And I open the box and I just think about those people or that person. And if I feel like crying, I cry. If I'm remembering old memories of them, I do that. If I'm angry with them, whatever. I just let my brain do whatever it wants to do in that 15 minutes. I don't try and manage it. I don't try and tell it you shouldn't be feeling this way. I just let it do whatever it wants to do for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, however long. And then when that alarm goes off, I shut that box and I go, okay, I will revisit this tonight, but right now I need to go to work. And that's what I've done over the last 25 years with grief. It works very well for me because it feels somewhat contained. Now, that doesn't mean during the daytime that my mind doesn't try and go back to it. It does. But what I tell my brain, you know what? Tonight, we're going to open that box again, and we can think about it. But right now, we've got to focus on our tasks at hand. And so that's what I do. And I'll do the exact same thing at night. And I might give myself longer. I might give myself a shorter time. Although I do do this away from sleeping time. I'm not going to do it like if I want to be asleep at 10, I'm not going to do it at 9.30. I might do it at six o'clock. So my brain has a lot of time to transition to something else. But when I shut that box, uh, I tell my brain, okay, I'm going to shut this box and I'm going to revisit it tomorrow. Now, one thing that's important about grief is that everybody grieves differently. And people like to get overly involved in other people's grieving process. Uh, let them grieve the way they need to grieve. They don't necessarily have to grieve the way you grieve. So I've heard people say, I haven't seen you cry and you really need to cry because otherwise you're not going to get better. Or you need to talk to somebody about your grief and the person doesn't want to. Or you need to be over this. It's been three months. You should be fine. That doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And so you have to let people do their own grieving process because everybody is on their own individual path. And it's okay that they grieve differently than you or other people that you know, or even differently than what I'm talking about on this podcast. It's okay that they're doing their own process. The biggest thing is they need to do the process somehow, whatever works for them. And the other thing is, you have to let yourself grieve. A lot of people will say, well, I don't want to grieve that person because if I grieve them, then I'm, I'm letting go of them. And I've heard that a lot. The thing is, you don't have any choice but to let go of them. They're gone. So if they're gone, somehow you have to let your brain come to terms with that. I personally look at it like they've gone on ahead of me, and hopefully someday I will see them again. But I see them moving past me and forward in front of me. Uh, That helps my brain kind of visualize that they're no longer back there. They're no longer where I saw them last. They've moved on, and they're now in a different place. That helps me. Uh, It may or may not help you, but it's something to think about. But to understand that 
it is not going to bring them back and it's not going to fix anything by not allowing yourself to grieve. It's okay to grieve because my guess is, and I don't know this, but if that person could talk to you, they'd say, enjoy your life. It's okay that you have a good life. I'm in a different place, maybe, I don't know, but it's okay that you're happy. I would want you to be happy. So don't try and keep yourself miserable for me. It's okay to let go of me. And who knows, maybe you'll see them again, maybe you won't. I don't know how it all works. But I will say, allow yourself to grieve, allow yourself to heal. And so no matter what you're grieving, you know, sometimes it helps to write about it. Sometimes it helps to process it. Sometimes it helps to speak to people about it. Sometimes it helps to write letters about it. I've told families over the years, one thing you might want to do if it's a loved one, you might want to develop a book of life where you post, you put pictures in there, you can put funny stories over the holidays, you can write things that you remember about the person, everybody can kind of pass it around and put stuff in that book and it's available to everybody. I just talked to somebody the other day and evidently there's some kind of online thing that you can do something very similar with. And so that might be something you look at as well. But it's really important to be able to heal and to be able to move on. You have the right to have a healthy, happy life. And so figure out a plan and stick to it. If it's not working, alter your plan. You have the right to a good life. Thank you so much for joining Mind Pilot. Don't forget to subscribe. This is Dr. Jana Price Sharps. Have a great day.